You're listening to MLB.com Extras, brought to you by MLB.tv. It's baseball everywhere. The first week of the 2016 baseball season in the books as we are discussing all things Pirates with Pirates reporter Adam Barry on this Monday, April 11th. Adam, thank you so much for the time. And it's it's rare, Adam, that we do our podcasting in the middle of a game, but that is uh, the case today on this Monday. The Pirates taking on the Tigers at uh, Tropical Comerica Park in the Motor City in Detroit. Anything but, of course. Uh, I believe the Pirates are faring well as we are speaking right now. Uh, give us the lowdown on what's going on as the Pirates look to snap a uh, two-game skid here and go to 5-2 and two on the season. Yeah, well, they've kind of reversed all the storylines from this weekend when it seemed like they couldn't buy a hit with runners in scoring position. They've gone out and they've got a whole bunch of them against Justin Verlander, no less, in the early going. Uh, jumped out to a quick 5-1 to one lead, uh, made him throw a lot of pitches, uh, fouled off a lot of balls, you know, took some walks. This is sort of the what what we're watching literally right now is sort of the Pirates offense as they drew it up. You know, uh, keep the line moving. You don't necessarily need power, just walks, base hits, keep people moving, and uh, it's paying off against a pretty good pitcher right now. Yeah, certainly certainly seems that way. And like you said, this was their M.O. the, the entire spring. You know, I mean, it, they do have power in that lineup, of course, but, uh, you know, the main objective is to, to just keep – keep the line moving, keep the train going, and uh, you don't need the knockout punch all the time. And it certainly seems like uh, Verlander, if he's not already, uh, you know, he's on the ropes, uh, certainly down 5-1. to one. And uh, after two tough losses against the Reds uh, this past weekend, Saturday and Sunday, it seems like they're getting back to what they were doing the first four games of the year when they went undefeated. Right, and they're content to, you know, with the whole keep the line moving thing, they're there's been kind of a train of thought in baseball now that maybe you don't want to knock out the starting pitcher because you just wind up in the bullpen full of guys who throw a hundred and, you know, nasty breaking balls and specialists who are pretty well designed to, to get out at the end of the game. But the pirates subscribe to the theory that you do want to knock out the starting pitcher, that there's a weakness to be found in most bullpens, whether it's over the course of one game and like the fifth or sixth inning or over a full series. If you see guys, uh, you know, that maybe, you know, you have to rest your top guys so because they pitched the first game, so then you have to get into kind of the bull B pen or the B bullpen in the second game, um, stuff like that. Or maybe you get diff, uh, multiple looks at a reliever over the course of the series, and you benefit from that because it's not not so new. So, I mean, like I said, this is the Pirates' plan, kind of working to perfection right now. Get Verlander up uh, over 100 pitches before he even finishes the fifth. So, that's uh, that's more or less what they were aiming for when they put this team together. Yeah, all going the Pirates' way, uh, way right now, and uh, Comerica Park on this Monday. They lead the the uh, Tigers five to one, and uh, you know, yeah, like like you said, I mean, it's rare that you see a guy who's pitching in long relief who is a, a star reliever. If he was a star reliever, he'd be closing. He'd be pitching the eighth or the seventh. He's not going to be in there in the third inning. So I agree with that theory that you know what, get the get the starter out of there. Let's get to those B guys, if you will, in the third or fourth innings, and it is working to perfection today for the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, Adam, backtracking a little bit, uh, rather ironic that the Pirates' first loss of the season took place on a day where Garrett Cole was on the mound, uh, falling to the red Saturday by a 5-1 final. And now Cole, by his own uh, postgame admission, a bit rusty, and that's certainly understandable given the uh, long layoff. Talk about his performance and uh, your own takeaways from it, good and bad. I mean, yeah, it had been about six months since he pitched in a really competitive uh, atmosphere, and that was the wild card game. Uh, so he goes out, and you know, he doesn't get through five innings. But he wasn't—he wasn't terrible by any means. It was probably disappointing from 
fans' expectations, especially against a team like the Reds. Um, but, there, you know, there were some good things to be seen. His velocity was there. His stuff was there. He threw all his pitches. His changeup, which is something that he worked on this spring, actually looked pretty good. He was able to use it 10 or 11 times, which was about 10 or 11% of the pitches he threw uh, compared to, I think it was about 3% last year. So that if he adds another weapon like that on a consistent basis, it keeps improving it. That's going to make him more dangerous against uh, left-handed hitters, which was maybe the one, not a weakness. You can't really say that anything he did last year was weak, but it's an area where he would like to improve. So, you know, he was rusty. There were some, you know, situations got away from him a little bit, but I don't think it's anything to worry too much about, especially considering the kind of weird spring he had where he was throwing in, simulated games or minor league games out on the backfield, controlled environments. And then, you know, you start the regular season and you get thrown out there on a cold day in Cincinnati and kind of have to deal with whatever happens. Adam, I know that uh, every guy is different in terms of their, their preparation and their mental approach, but uh, specifically about Garrett Cole, is, is this a guy that, you know, heading into this first start, is he kind of thinking, you know what, I'm Garrett Cole and I can, I can go out there on any given day and throw nine scoreless innings? Or was he thinking that, you know what, I've got to temper my expectations of myself a little bit considering what I've been through, what my body's been through, and, you know, if I can just go X amount of innings and minimize the damage, I'll be pleased. Knowing him as you do, what do you think his mindset was? He's a perfectionist uh, when it comes to pitching, so I think he was, you know, he was obviously disappointed with the way it went, but he also understood, yes, it is a long season. It had been a long time since he got out there. So, you know, rust was to be expected. He certainly would have liked to have overcome that, which is something that he's obviously capable of doing. Um, and he did it a lot last year where he maybe didn't have his best stuff, but he, he grinded through five innings, gave up two or three runs, and, uh, you know, wound up getting a win out of the whole thing. So I'm sure he would have liked to have started the season better, but the more important thing for him and the Pirates is that he gets on track as the year goes on. Yeah, just uh, keep getting healthier, keep getting stronger, and return to his rightful spot as the ace of that Pirates rotation. And for the team to go, uh, you know, five, four and one, five and one, whatever it was, uh, without him has got to be uh, a boon for uh, both himself and the team. And then when he does get back to full health, uh, big, big things ahead for the Pirates in that rotation for sure. Uh, Adam, you had a very interesting article on the early returns of the experiment that we've discussed in previous podcasts about the Pirates. Uh, playing the three outfielders uh, shallower this season, considerably so. Now, it nearly burned them in the ninth inning on Friday against the Reds, a game that the Pirates would win 6-5. to five. But talk about your observations thus far of that defensive plan employed by Clint Hurdle with his three-star outfielders uh, playing shallower this year than they have in years past. Yeah, I mean, we haven't really seen a ton of, uh, you know, examples of how it's going to play out so far this season. There was that one. A ball in the ninth inning Friday night where I think it was Eugenio Suarez hit a ball kind of over McCutcheon's head. He had to tail back a little bit for it, but he got there, uh, whereas he might have, you know, last season he might have just been playing right by that ball. So it would have looked less impressive just based on the positioning. Um, but I think the Pirates ran the numbers. They have their reasons for doing this. You know, they thought they got burned a little bit by uh, balls that fell in in the shallow outfield, uh, you know, extra bases that got taken when, ground ball would sneak through the infield and a guy could go home to second or first to third just by the time an outfielder got to it. So they have the reasons for wanting to play the outfielders a little closer to the infield. And I think with the, just the sheer athleticism that Starling Marte, Andrew McCutcheon, and Gregory Polanco have, they can trust that if a ball is hit behind them, especially if it's in the air and hanging for a little while, they have a pretty decent chance of getting to it and 
whether it's catching it or keeping a double to double or a single to single, I think they trust uh, their athleticism and their uh, kind of their knowledge of how to shift in position against each specific hitter enough to kind of make this plan work. Um, and so far, the buy-in from McCutcheon, Marte, and Polanco has been good. Uh, McCutcheon told me that they, they told him the information. His response was, all right, cool. <laughs> so he, he trusted that. He's done it. And he prefers to run back on balls. He, he doesn't like running in uh, as much because it requires maybe a little harder run or you have to gauge whether a ball's got backspin on it or something like that. Whereas if a ball's hit behind you, you know you got to run for it. And, and he's uh, perfectly content to do that. He just sounds like such a, a stressed-out guy, Andrew McCutcheon, doesn't he? <laughs> yeah, he's really taking the whole thing hard. That batting second, I think his reaction was also okay. Uh, so, yeah, he's – I mean, the team brings him information. He's uh, he's going to be understanding. He's going to listen. And I think they've bought some goodwill and some trust from the players when they do propose stuff like this or the lineup shifting. Yeah, it, it certainly makes it a lot easier to digest and implement. And uh, so far – you know, uh, pretty decent returns on this. Like you said, the sample size, not huge, but mm-hmm. we'll see what happens moving forward here in the 2016 season. So, uh, Professor Barry, what we're going to do now is uh, hand out some grades on the Pirates' one-week report card. Uh, let's just go with the basics here. Let's start with the starting pitching. What is your grade of the starters so far? Uh, I would say probably somewhere in a – B-minus, B-ish range. Uh, Francisco Liriano's had some kind of rocky outings. The second one certainly wasn't what you want. First one was pretty good. He had the 10 strikeouts, uh, you know, kept runners off the plate. So uh, that that's pretty solid. Jeff Locke actually looked a lot better, I think, than expected, at least in terms of pure results. He got through six innings, only gave up one run. Not a lot of strikeouts. Uh, gave up seven hits, had to work out of some trouble. But if you can get six innings and a quality start out of Jeff Locke every time out, you're in you're in pretty good shape. Um, I'm trying to think who I'm forgetting. Juan Nicasio obviously looked great. Uh, John Neese looked better maybe than his line indicated the first time out. He's pitching fairly well today so far. And really the only, you know, kind of shaky, out-of-character outing was Garrett Cole. So I'd say it's somewhere in the BB minus. You'd like some more innings out of those guys, certainly, just because you can't run the bullpen out, you know, four or five innings every day. But, you know, you're seeing the – the potential there, and I, I think it'll wind up being okay. Yeah, I think uh, you know B minus is a is a good way to go, and that's what I would try to convince my parents was solid for many many <laughs> years. So personally, I'm okay with, with B minus, and uh, we'll see if the Pirates can improve on that a little bit here. With especially given the outing today by John Neese, so far so good. Uh, how about the relief core, Adam? Uh, what about a grade for them? Probably, yeah, I think you'd have to almost give him an A at this point just because Neftali Feliz and Tony Watson have looked so good, and those are going to be your seventh and eighth inning guys uh, throughout the better part of the season. Mark Melanson has given up a run, which is not something he did terribly often last year, but, you know, he'll settle into things, and obviously you have a lot of trust in him. Uh, Corey Lupke has looked pretty good. He hadn't pitched a whole lot, but good to get him. The stuff looks like it's real. Uh, you kind of trust that. Um Archimedes Caminero gave up the walk-off hit to Jay Bruce, but still he's looked more like he did last year. He's throwing 100, 101 miles an hour. That's typically going to play. And they're also basically playing a man down at this point without Jared Hughes. That's where Kyle Lobstein has kind of fit into the picture. So I'd say it's an A just based on the success of the last three guys in the pen. And then you look at the depth that they're going to have, especially when Hughes comes back. Yeah, I know big things were expected of that bullpen, and so far they have certainly held their own. 
Uh, and in the offense, by and large, you take a look at the whole ball of wax, you know, power, situational hitting, and so forth. How do you grade them? Yeah, it's kind of a complicated thing because coming into today's game, they led the majors in on-base percentage, which is, I mean, any team would be happy with that. But then you look where they are in runs, and it's you know a little more uh, sort of middle of the pack. I think they're actually exactly in the middle of the pack in the majors, like 15th or 16th. So, you know, it's kind of hard to say. Hitting with runners in scoring position is not necessarily a skill that's repeatable. So, uh, you know, you'd think it's going to balance out over time as it already has today. I'd, I'd say it's probably somewhere in the B range, maybe that same B, B minus. You know, you'd like to see more power because, you know, they're not they're not hitting for a high slugging percentage so far. Not a lot of homers. <laughs> One of their homers came from Chris Stewart, which I don't think anybody had coming into the year. But you like the on-base percentage. You like the high average. That is what this team was supposed to be built around. Um, and the fact that they're doing it in April, which is something they have not done in the past, is really encouraging. So I'd, I'd settle probably in that, that solid B range. And maybe the lack of power, at least thus far, can be given on the brutal conditions they've had to play in uh, for these first three series of the year. They're doing themselves no favors being in Detroit for the next couple days, that's for sure. <laughs> and, uh, Adam, just to wrap things up, overall grade for these so far 4-2 and two Pittsburgh Pirates. Yeah, I'd say it's in basically average it all out, and it probably winds up as a B. Um, you know, the, the games in Cincinnati were a little disappointing. you got to beat the teams that you're supposed to beat. The situational hitting wasn't uh, the way that you draw it up, especially with the way this lineup is built. But the relief pitching looks solid. The starting pitching, you know, the guys who you were worried about, perhaps, Nicasio and Locke have looked uh, maybe better than expected, I'd say. So, Overall, it, you know, it averages out to more or less what you thought this team was going to be, and maybe I'm being a harsh grader. I come from, uh, at least my mom is a teacher, so maybe I'm inheriting some of her tough grading <laughs> techniques here by giving a 4-2 and two team with uh, legitimate playoff chances of B, but uh, coming off those games in Cincinnati, it's, it's a little tough to overlook some of the, the missed opportunities. You know, like like you said, your your mom was a, a teacher, so you, you kind of get it from her. And uh, it's you know there are some areas of improvement for this Pirates team, but right now, as we speak, now a seven to one lead over the Tigers at Comerica Park. So uh, five and two certainly seems like it's in the cards for the Pirates here in their first seven games of the season. Adam, thank you so much for the time, Pirates reporter Adam Barry, joining us as always. We'll do it again next week. For now, this is Matt Waymeyer signing off for MLB.com Extras, Pittsburgh Pirates. MLB.tv Premium, the number one live streaming sports service, is celebrating 13 years. Watch every out-of-market regular season game live or on demand in true HD. Real-time highlights, live look-ins, pitch tracking widget, and more. MLB.tv Premium includes a free At-Bat 15 subscription. Watch live baseball on over 400 mobile and connected devices. Watch at home, in the office, or on the go every night on every device. Blackout and other restrictions apply. Visit MLB.tv for details.